In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm afraid to say it's not a victory podcast, but the journey was fun. I'm here with Jack and Ian. Jack, where in the world are you at the moment? So I'm currently sitting in Chicago Airport. Um, be boarding in the next 20 minutes. So uh, if I disappear at the end of the show, it's because I'm jumping on a plane. Awesome. Ian, whereabouts you, mate? I'm at home. Paul, more importantly, where are you? I'm in a place called Mineral Point, which is an old Cornish uh, town that's in Wisconsin. Very cool. Very cool. So... Just to quickly recap, as Jack said, he's going to be getting on a plane here. So the boys got together. We had a good time up in Wisconsin going to the Packers-Browns game on Christmas. As Paul mentioned, not a victory podcast here, but overall, uh, great experience. Why don't you guys kind of share a little bit about your experiences coming over, checking out Lambeau Field? What would you guys think? We'll start with Paul. Paul, what would you think of your experience at Lambeau? Yeah, I thought Lambeau was obviously a great experience. The stadium's huge. Um, Green Bay's rubbish. So put the two together, it gives you a really awesome experience. And uh, as I said uh, today in my tweet, it's a one-tier stadium, like a bowl experience. You go in, the, the field goes into the ground. Really unique. Haven't seen it very like this in Europe anywhere. Didn't feel like 80,000. Felt more like a 50,000 stadium. But yeah, Great time the night before meeting fans. Great time tailgating before the game. And, uh, yeah, it was just a great time spending time with Ian Jack face-to-face. Jack, you had mentioned when we were talking at the game about the designer of Lambeau Field was the same as Michigan Stadium, right? That's cool. That's actually my... Um, oh, I, I um, misappropriated yeah. my knowledge. Because I had mentioned when we walked in, I, I felt that similar bowl type of feeling. And I said, well, the only other stadium I know that's like that is Michigan Stadium. And Paul, let me share the little nugget you learned. Yeah, basically they uh, designed they designed the stadium from uh, the actual um, – they went to Michigan and based it uh, on that stadium. So there you go. So, Paul, if you ever get over a chance – Maybe we'll go up to Michigan Stadium and you have to check that one out because that one's even bigger. That one's over 100,000. So it's just a giant, it's a bigger bowl. It's like a medium-sized mixing bowl to a large-sized mixing bowl. So, Jack, overall, how did you, uh, you had to sit with me, which was punishment enough, but uh, overall, how was your time at Lambeau? Uh, it's been an awesome week. So I uh, had an absolute great time. Um, great meeting Browns fans, Packers fans, the Chelsea, Chicago fans. So, um, no, it's, uh, I was expecting to see a bit more sport and everything else cancelled but hey the one game went ahead and uh if you'd have offered me before that game one drive and we kick a field goal and we potentially win i'd have bitten your hand off so uh no cannot complain it went down to the wire most importantly what did you think of the paul brown fans because i i i know you got to spend some time around paul you've spent time around him in england now you spend some time around him here in the u.s 
So what was your takeaway with the Paul Brown fans? It was li- it was completely surreal. Like people just walking up and being like, you're Paul Brown. And it's like, and not just like the odd person. It was near enough everyone. But a massive shout out to uh, my boy, Bruce. Bruce. From uh, Charlotte or Carolina. It's one of the two. Um, we got to meet Bruce. Carolina. And uh, he was absolute ripping on Paul for never turning up. And uh, he, he's happy he got to meet the two main guys, which is uh, myself and Ian. Yeah, we hopefully we have a few new listeners because, like I said, it was it was a unique experience walking around. And you know, Paul's a very distinguishable person, so people know him well. Uh, heck, I mean, he even had Steelers fans flashing uh, covered boobs for him. So, but overall, we met a lot of nice guys. I mean, there was a Jake in there, a Ken. There was a Mike. After the game, I was walking back to my car. I stopped and chatted with some Browns fans outside of a bar. So shout out to you guys. Um, good chat and, you know, just trying to figure some stuff out. You know, I made sure to mention the Paul Brown podcast. So um, also specifically, I want to kind of give a shout out. So anytime we go to the games and stuff, ticketing is always a little bit more fun. Um, so Paul had asked about tickets for the kind of the, the group here. And one of our listeners had was nice enough to kind of send some uh, some tickets our way for a good price. So shout out to you, Zach, Zach Carter. Uh, I believe he's out of Indianapolis and got some pretty cool brown swag for Christmas. But uh, he runs a restaurant in Spencer, Indiana called Spencer Pizza Pantry and it's run by Browns fans. So if you're ever driving through the Midwest and you're in the Indianapolis area, you're looking for a good, this is an unpaid uh, advertisement for the, uh, the Spencer Pizza Pantry uh, run by a Browns fan. So go in there, tell him you're a Browns fan, and I'm sure he'll maybe give you extra cheese at no cost. So hopefully I didn't uh, set you up for failure there, Zach. But yeah, shout out to everybody, the new fans, the old fans. Um, it was just, it's an awesome time to Jack's point. You know, we're just kind of the, the second and third wheel, which is perfectly fine with us. But I mean, you talk about Packers fans. I mean, the ladies sitting behind us in our section behind Jack and I had full on football pants with pads. She had a superstition where she did not stand until the ball was snapped. She had green and gold lipstick and makeup. And I mean, we had people coming up to us and overall, I mean, the Packers fans were honestly, they were some of the nicest people that we had met. I mean, I've been to other stadiums. Jack has not, but the hospitality was really nice. I mean, people offering to buy you a beer and cheese curds. It's kind of surreal. We only ran into a couple uh, kind of ones that, you know, I call them typical Steelers fans, but actually in one case, the guy was trying to say miles Garrett wasn't any good, which is obviously just ridiculous. And another Packers fan looked at him and was like, can you just shut the bleep up? Like you're embarrassing yourselves. So even the Packers fans were taking care of their own in that sense. So I would definitely recommend it for anybody getting the chance to go up there. You know, obviously it'll be a number of years before the Browns go back hopefully sooner than the eight, maybe with that extra NFC game uh, every other year being on the road, maybe we'll get up there sooner, but just an awesome experience to see Aaron Rodgers in person. Um, but I'll tell you this, we'll, we'll move on to the offense because the Browns do not have Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. And uh, overall, do we want to kind of talk about our offensive takeaways, maybe start with a, uh, what our grade is for the offense. And then we talk a little bit about why we're giving it that grade and kind of what were the, the pros and cons of what we saw on the offense. So we'll start with you, Jack. Overall, what do you think of the offense? I think I'm happy to go for a five. We uh, we matched them pretty much with yardage. Um, there was yeah some really bad throws by Baker. Um, the first inception, um, Higgins is breaking. I'm pretty sure it's Higgins. Should have thrown it there. So we've sort of gone back and watched some more of it. Um, obviously Landry slipped on once. One yeah, the ball weren't where it should have been. The fourth one. Yeah, it's, it's one that if the rest call that, as they do 99.9% of the time, 
you get a flag and you move up. And that's the joy and the value of passing. And we really saw passing setting up the run um, because people were like, hey, Nick Chubb got those numbers. If we'd have started the game as a run-first offence, Nick Chubb does not have anywhere near those numbers. Those numbers came because we went and aired it. And, um, yeah, it, it sucks, but it's one that you take that on the chin and you roll with it. Um, Baker's not the guy here. I've, I've said that before. It's nothing new. But there's still value in putting the ball in the air. A few times, hey, they released downfield several of the interceptions. It wasn't like it was at the line of scrimmage. If you're airing it out 40 yards and get an interception, I'm less concerned about something like that. Yeah. Jack, we'll get into the Baker Mayfield one. So the number one thing that everyone wanted to talk about after the game with us was Baker Mayfield. So we'll get a little bit more into that, maybe when you guys are back home. But, Jack, what if I were to tell you that the Browns actually outgained the Packers by almost 100 yards? Browns had 408 yards of total offense to Green Bay, 311. Browns were 7 of 12 on third third down to Green Bay's 3 of 10. We had 28 first downs to their 19. And we had a time of possession of 31 minutes to their 28 minutes. It was good. So offensively, we had effectiveness. The issue was three turnovers led to three touchdowns indirectly. I get it's not like a pick six or something where we shut them up with a short field. All of their ensuing touchdown drives were, you know, relatively longer drives. You know, after the first one, they went five plays for 53 yards, which was in essence was the punt because you got to think about it. We were backed up at our own eight when we threw that deep ball. Uh, so if you go three and out there and you're punting, it's pretty much the same. On the second, uh, they went 10 plays, 78 yards for a touchdown. And on the last one, they went nine plays for 49 yards for the touchdown. So overall, I think you're right, Jack, about that. Um, Paul, what did you think of the Browns utilization of Nick Chubb? What were the guys around you saying? You were a little bit closer to field level. You got in there behind the Browns bench a couple of times. What did, it, what did the Browns feel like from your – Browns offense feel like from where you were at? Yeah, look, I thought Jack was a bit harsh with the five. Um, obviously, we gave away some interceptions, but I felt that for the first time in weeks, it felt like when the Browns got the ball, I felt like a touchdown was going to happen. And uh, oh yeah, besides the last drive, but we were moving the ball very well yesterday. And OK, we gave away four interceptions, two on Baker, two on other things, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, I thought I liked the offense yesterday and... Um, for the missing pieces we had, I thought I'd give it a, a six at least. Uh, I can't say the word seven. It's not an eight, but yeah, I think a six is fair. Yeah, I kind of bounced back a little bit between mine. So overall, Baker Mayfield, 21 to 36, 222 yards, two scores, four picks. Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 126 yards. Jernis Johnson, four for 58. The team is a total, 25 rushes, 219 yards receiving. We had a decent spread in terms of who was catching passes. Um, by my quick count, we had nine different receivers catch passes. So here's the thing with the offense. I felt like the Packers normally don't stack the box. I think that was something that was widely discussed before the game. And they were unique in the sense that most teams like the Ravens were going to take away Nick Chubb and make Baker Mayfield beat you. And I think the Packers did a little bit different of a strategy in terms of they were willing to pull a defender out of the box to let Nick Chubb get his a little bit. That's why you kind of saw some of them screenplays developing and stuff. And I'm going to go back and rewatch a couple of it because it's a little difficult in the stadium to see everything. But I noticed the one thing the Packers were doing is they were baiting Baker Mayfield into some throws. So whether it was the, you know, the first interception, you know, the safety 
actually did a good job of disguising his coverage before dropping back. Now, I watched a lot of NFL games today, and I know people were complaining about Baker throwing in double coverage, but that was a decent throw. There was a lot of talk about the contact to Donovan Peoples-Jones before the pass was thrown, that there was some thought that there should have been an illegal contact there. I have to kind of go back and see that. There's not really a great angle of that. But ultimately, Baker's throwing the ball up because he trusts his receiver, who's five, six inches taller than the DBs, to go make a play. And I think offensively, our receivers did not help him out in that case. The one with him and Landry, he's thrown to a spot. Landry thought something different. Once Landry saw the ball kind of get released, he tried to change direction, ends up falling over. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you target Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think it was six targets and only had one catch for five yards. You start looking at a receiving core. And I sent this to my buddies afterwards. I said, you know, Ohio State has better receivers than the Browns do right now. And when judging Baker Mayfield, you have to ask yourself, like, you know, if Baker Mayfield has a Devontae Adams or if Baker Mayfield has, you know, a primary dominant receiver that can get open. I mean, the Browns tried a defensive strategy. We'll talk a little bit about Devontae Adams, where in the first half they had MJ Stewart basically playing over top of him and then would shade either Richard LeCount or one of the other safeties. And it didn't matter. I mean, on the one touchdown, Devontae Adams, he shook him so bad. It was, it reminded me of the Odell versus Dallas game last year. We don't have that guy. Hollywood Higgins is not a burner. So I think the Packers disguise a lot of their coverages and Baker was still able to complete 222 yards for two touchdowns. You know, the interceptions, I was with you, Paul, with a six, but I think I'm going to have to go with a five just because you were minus four on the turnovers. I mean, that's just, I think Matt LaFleur is like 30 and zero when they win the turnover battle and you just can't give them that much. Even if to Jack's point, a couple of them are punts. I think a five is where I'm at on that one. But overall, I think if you'd have played like that against the Raiders, you'd have probably ran them out of the gym. So that tells you that right there. All right. And uh, who would you give the offense ball to, uh, Jack? I'm going to give it to a man that has really lit up the last uh, two games and I think makes a great case to move around our line in this offseason. I'm going to go left tackle, Joe Batonio. Um, I think he had yet another great game and there's a serious movement and I'm with him. Move him to left tackle, wheels to right tackle, Conklin won't start next season. Maybe slide Dunn in at left guard. That could be the way forward. It's an interesting question because obviously they paid Batonio as a guard and then they move him out to tackle. You wonder if somebody would come out and say, hey, that's a, that's a little uh, tongue-in-cheek there. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Joel Batonio, I mean... I made it kind of a, a tongue in cheek comment about him in terms of giving Joe Thomas a run for his money. But I mean, I think he ended with like an 82.6 overall grade from PFF and then 89.3 on the run blocking and a 79.8 on the pass blocking. So Joe Batonio just stecking out there, but on my game ball, I'm going to give it to Anthony Schwartz first career touchdown. Um, actually we saw him on the field and he didn't get hurt. So we kind of joked about that a little bit, but he had a nice route for a touchdown and was daring enough to find a couple of Browns fans for that Lambeau leap. So, you know, Anthony Schwartz first career touchdown in Lambeau. That's something he'll never forget. And hopefully maybe just a sign of something to come where we can see a little bit more from him uh, coming down these last two games. Let's move on to the defense side of the ball. Um, I'm going to go in big with a first number eight. Um, I feel like with a very depleted uh, team, I thought it did very well. I don't, I mean, Jack, I'll let you kind of talk first, but I don't, I mean, I don't think that's completely unreasonable. Yeah, my gut sort of says a nice seven because I think 
if Devontae Adams doesn't drop that, and it wasn't like we forced him to drop that ball, the game's over. But three points in the second half is phenomenal performance. And they had some issues in the first half with what to do with Devontae Adams. There's too many times he's left sort of single coverage, but if I'd, t- I'd take that 24 points going into any game against the Packers offense and go, yeah, I'm having that. Yeah, I think I'm in the same for you as they get you ready for boarding. I, I mean, I think an eight is pretty appropriate. I mean, you kept Aaron Rodgers to 24 points, to Jack's point, three points in the second half. And I saw, like, the one thing, you, you see the Browns on TV, and you know, I saw them against Denver, and Denver was a little bit more of a slower-paced game. I thought there was a lot more of a – it wasn't as open. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm watching Grant Delpit, I think he had a pretty – I was watching him, and I was just kind of hoping that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to throw something at him that he didn't see. But I see him moving around. I think he's getting more confident. I like what I see out of Grant Delpit. I think next year is going to be a big jump for him. But even MJ Stewart, I mean, this is a guy, you know, we brought in a former second round pick. Yes, they're going to throw the ball at him. I get it. But overall, I thought he played a pretty good game. And I continue to see production out of the linebackers. I mean, Anthony Walker, you know, he had a great game. I think he had five tackles. And Sione Takitaki in limited snaps makes some plays out there. So there was a couple guys that had tough days. I mean, I think Greedy Williams gave up quite a bit. I think he was, I mean, on that last play, you mentioned about the Devonte Adams. I mean, it, watching him come off the line there. I mean, I, I, he, he gave Greedy Williams a shake that I don't think he's ever seen it before in his life. And, you know, and Denzel Ward's another one. I think they threw at him a few times and he had a couple nice breakups, but overall, if you'd have told me that we could hold Aaron Rodgers to 24 points, yes, three points in the second half versus 21 in the first half. I think Joe Woods employed a pretty decent strategy of we're going to be conservative you know, I know that there's a big thing out there for him to always blitz, 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 blitz. But if the Browns can't guard the blitz, then you can't blitz. And unfortunately, I think this is a, a tough thing because in the in our division, we just see the Ravens and we see the Steelers. We see these defenses that create massive amounts of pressure. Well, how did the Ravens blitzing today go, right? So they gave up, you know, 520-odd yards passing because they kept trying to blitz Joe Burrow. So if you blitz Aaron Rodgers, who I've said is the best quarterback in the league, you're going to get shredded. So at the end of the day, I think Joe Woods' game plan was very effective. And I have no problem giving the defense an eight because for what they have and what they're dealing with, overall, I, I have no complaints. I mean, I thought that's exactly, if not better than what I expected. I've got to go jump on a plane. So, uh, yeah, good work, guys. And uh, I'll see everyone next week. Yes, absolutely, Jack. Thank you. It was good hanging out with you. Hopefully we can make this an annual thing to get you to come over. So, uh, we'll, we'll save your special teams grade for Mr. Nagar, but I have, you want to just give us a number before you jump? Oh, I can tell you right now it's low. He had to jump cause he's a boarding guy, but, um, yeah, overall, I mean, when we talk about the, the defense, I mean, miles Garrett is obviously a, a change, a, a game changer on the Browns defense. He played 52 snaps. And I think if I'm not mistaken, it was probably one of his lower graded games in the, uh, of the year three total pressures, uh, one quarterback hit, two hurries. That just goes to tell you right there. That groin's not right. Now, they've got about eight days, if you count non-playing days, before we go Monday night against the Steelers. Let's just hope that he can get that thing right. I don't know how serious of a groin pull it is, but you could definitely tell in some cases that uh, that he was just not the Miles Garrett that we're used to seeing. So, uh, Paul, any other thoughts on the defense? What do you have? What did you see? Yeah, it really worried me a little bit. Um, but otherwise, 
you know, I thought our D-line really, as the second, third time, third D-line, okay, we didn't get very many snaps, um, sacks, but on the on the flip side, I thought, I did really think that uh, uh, defensively worked really well as a team and we put a lot of pressure on uh, Aaron Rodgers, who at the game did get his 433rd um, Green Bay Packers touchdown to beat Brett Favre, but Anyway, um, yeah, I just I just thought it was really proud to see the hunger and appetite our defence had without our main starters, and I was really impressed. Yeah, I think the defensive side of the ball is going to – it's starting to come around. And listen, I know Joe Woods, for some reason, just seems to be a topic. I know even I was talking to some of the fans afterwards, and they don't like the scheme, but listen – you're you've got Denzel Ward you've got man corners there's certain things you can do in terms of zone concepts you know I I, there's a lot of buzzwords out there and I think what happens is is we watch these primetime games and you see you know teams and you expect it on a week-to-week basis but at the end of the day the Browns defense showed up with you know guys that we would never have thought of that could be key contributors I mean in terms of snap counts when you go into a game and you're leading snap count guys obviously you have Greedy and Denzel in the corners Grant Delpit, 57, MJ Stewart, 57, Sheldon Day, 52, JOK. It was tough for him. You know, I know that this is a a guy who I think has a very specific skill set in terms of speed, but, you know, him and Anthony Walker, 43 snaps each. But even there, you know, Tommy Togiai, 25 snaps, Malik Jackson, 35, Porter Gustin, 39. You know, they, they went out there and they gave it their all. There's no doubt about it. And I think just an overall good performance. And I hope they continue to build the momentum because next week you're going up against the Steelers offense that isn't Aaron Rodgers. And if anyone's watching right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are doing everything they want right now. It's, it's an absolute prison movie out there. Uh, I think last time I checked, the Chiefs were up 30 to nothing. So next week you may see the, uh, the Browns defense make some of those plays. And, you know, for those people that want to shit on Miles Garrett, two weeks ago he had a strip sack, fumble, forced recovery, and a touchdown. You know, and not, and obviously now the groin's not right. TJ Watt has cracked ribs. So let's, I think we know what Miles Garrett's capable of. So I think that's enough on the defense. Special teams, Paul. Special teams. Um, special teams. Look, I, I clocked the kicker was very nervous before the game. Uh, I think we both noticed him missing kicks before from 30, 40 yards. He obviously missed the extra point. Um, We seem to return the ball well yesterday. I would say... um, If we'd got the two and the kick, we'd have won the game. So, um, I'm going to say three for special teams. Yeah, it was an interesting day on special teams. Obviously, you know, I don't know if it's Nagger or Nagar or whatever it is. We know who the kicker is. Made his field goal from 37, missed the extra point. The problem was, is that point you were chasing. So on the second touchdown, we obviously had to go for two. So difference in the game is two. Each team had three touchdowns and a field goal. The difference is, is we didn't have two points that they did. Colquitt had a 37-yard punt. Listen, I know everybody was ready to run Scottish Hammer out of town, but I didn't I didn't see, you know, Borquez from the Packers in, in warm-ups hits a better ball than Dustin Colquitt. So at this point, I think they've gone in the conservative approach for the, the punting to just try to set up no returns. Uh, Demetric Felton, I thought from a kickoff standpoint, had a couple decent returns. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones actually showed a little bit of life on the punt returns, getting, you know, a couple decent ones out of him. 
But overall, special teams has to make plays that don't lose you the game or cost you points. And in this case, they cost points. So I think a three, four overall, I think is pretty, pretty much on par from where I'm at. Um, I didn't, I didn't see much, much else there to really, there was, it wasn't really as much of a special teams grade, if I'm being honest. Um, how do you think Savansky did with his play calling? <sighs> you know, Paul, this is, this is the conversation we're going to go down when it comes to Baker, Stefanski, how Alex Van Pelt, who, you know, remember Alex Van Pelt is widely praised by Aaron Rodgers as the guy he didn't want to leave. So let's not make it sound like Alex Van Pelt doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, but you run into an issue with this team. And I, I talked a little bit about the wide receivers and how I think Ohio state has better wideouts than the Browns. Now I say that a little tongue in cheek because they have three first round picks. Um, there's guys open. There is. And in some cases, if you're talking about Stefanski and what his job is to do in terms of managing a game, he didn't waste two challenges like Matt LaFleur did. I don't know what more you want Stefanski to do. He's designing a game plan that won us our first playoff game against the Steelers last year. It, it has a good run balance. I mean, Nick Chubb rushed for, you know, 126 yards, I think yesterday, 100, yeah, 126 yards. Baker threw for 222 yards on 21 of 36 with the four picks, but Guys are open. I mean, you're you're working around an offense. I just don't know what more you want Stefanski to do. If he's designing schemes and plays, yes. You know, last week we run the ball in third and three, and everybody's like, oh, why are we running the ball? Give the ball to Nick Mullins. Well, then this week he goes and he makes Baker drop back and throw 36 times. We have four interceptions. And everyone's like, well, why did you run the damn ball? It's like, you know, every week we yang back and forth between what we think would have worked. And we're such a results-oriented fan base that I think sometimes we lose track of, you know, what is meant to do. Like, why wasn't Nick Chubb on the field? I'm going to tell you right now. You can see it in person. After certain plays, Nick Chubb puts his hand up and subs himself out. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I saw Jake Burns tweet this as well. Nick Chubb takes Nick Chubb out of the game. So, Sometimes we're like, well, why didn't Stefanski have this guy in there? Well, this isn't Madden. You don't just recharge players and have them at a bar and, oh, look, I have a sprint that's a green thing that goes to a red thing. Like, if a guy needs to come out, he needs to come out. So in terms of the managers, I, I, I don't think that Stefanski got massively outcoached yesterday. There are some games when, yeah, he got outcoached. Yesterday wasn't one of them. If anything, I thought they had things that the Packers weren't ready for. So... I don't know, Paul. What did you, what did you think? I mean, overall, what what were the thoughts? Look, look, at the end of the day, we we were two points away from beating um, the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field with four interceptions. You know, you can't argue with that. You know, it's this we're doing something right to get to that position. And obviously, we're doing something wrong not to finish the game off. So um, they played yeah. good enough to win. They really did. They played good enough to win. Yeah, I think, mate. I think it's it's a real tough one, and we have got two more games. And as we said, uh, as me and Jackson in the car, it wouldn't be the biggest harm if we don't go to playoffs this year if we're not the playoff level. 
But let's just see what happens. I believe we can win the next two games. I've got full faith. If we do, we do. We don't, we don't. I can see us beating the Steelers and losing to the Bengals, to be really honest with you. But I really, really hope that we can do enough to um, to win the game. Yeah. And I mean, just remember this. The You needed a couple things to happen. Obviously, the Chiefs beating the Steelers was one of the things. And we needed the Bengals to beat the Ravens. That happened, right? So next week, now you'd need the Chiefs to beat the Bengals. So if that happens and the Browns do beat the Steelers, you're basically talking about Browns versus Bengals in Cleveland week 18 winner goes to the playoffs and the loser potentially goes home. So, because you're talking about division champion versus missing the wild card. And I, you know, I said this, if we don't make the playoffs, I think it changes our draft strategy, but outside of that, I mean, all hope is not lost and this can have the opportunity to be a good football team. I think you're right. You played good enough to beat green Bay. You didn't beat green Bay. You played good enough to beat the Raiders at times. You didn't beat the Raiders. So you kind of lost control of your destiny at that point. And hopefully we get our guys back. Hopefully we get Clowney back. Hopefully John Johnson's hamstring, you know, it would be nice if we could just see this team, maybe going into the playoffs, clicking on all cylinders, if they can make it, because if, you know, I have Browns at home versus Bengals week 18, and I've got maybe a healthy Miles Garrett and a healthy Jadavian Clowney. And I've got the, I've had the resources that I need. I feel pretty good about that. I really do because I've seen the Bengals and I know, but Baker ironically enough has had Burroughs number and the Bengals number. So do everything you can. I think, I honestly think Paul, they're going to go out and I think they're going to beat the living shit out of the Steelers on Monday night. You know, my wife won't want to hear me say that, but I really think that this team is going to come out playing with their hair on fire. I mean, I like what I hear in the post game, you know, between the guys. I, I love the fact that this team just does not quit. I like the way they play with aggression. Um, I see signs of just some really good things. And, you know, we can talk about the offseason stuff when that time comes. But, you know, Paul, I, I think you're going to the Steelers game. Or you're going to the Bengals game. Which one are you going to? I'm going to the next two games. I'm there. Yeah. You know, as long as Kobe doesn't stop me, I will be at Pittsburgh and I'm at the Bengals. Yeah. So there you go. Paul Brown's going to bring a little special luck uh, for, for that stuff. So um, I don't think my luck's really helped the season. We you know I've got to win this season and I've got two losses, you know, so uh, I wouldn't say Paul's luck can do anything, but anyway. Hey, it's always time to change that around, right? Mm-hmm. So, but well, yeah, we'll, we'll break down the, the Baker Mayfield thing. Cause I think that's a larger discussion. Um, obviously after throwing four interceptions, it's very much a hot ticket to, to bash Baker. So that's where we're at. Let's talk about that later. Um, you know, Jack kind of hinted at hit where he's at. Baker's not the guy. And uh, I, I think that he's a little bit right and a little bit wrong on that. I'll elaborate more later. But, you know, for now, you guys get back to the UK safely. Paul, you're going to turn around and get right back on a plane and get to Pittsburgh. So props to you, brother, because that's a lot of travel. But, you know, it was great seeing you again this weekend. And, you know, hopefully you're having fun there in Wisconsin. We'll link up tomorrow briefly. Um, so maybe we'll do an, a quick podcast b- tomorrow before you get on the plane. Uh, but outside of that, uh, anything else you need to add? No, no, all good. And, um, I just want to finish up by saying, yeah, as always, it's so great meeting nice people that listen to the podcast face to face. So, um, yeah, please don't be shy. Please reach out to us. We've got an open DM policy. If you ever want to know anything, uh, we'll share as much as we possibly can with you guys. 
we, we can share a message though from our guy, Scottish Hammer. Paul sent him a picture of uh, the specialist warming up. And do you want to tell everybody what he sent back to you? Tears. He was sad. Tears. Him and him and Charlie, they're they're good buddies. So, you know, hopefully, like I said, his team uh, went out and won today. So, you know, good good messages from the hammer. But yeah, I agree, Paul. It was good meeting a lot of you guys. Good chatting. Um, and on that note, go Browns. Go Browns.